and welcome to The Journey Inward, your new podcast, BFF, On the Road Home to Yourself. I'm Christina, your host, and that is Juniper, my cat. Uh, I hope that the mic picked him up. We are talking about polyamory today. And this is, uh, I was surprised by the response when I pulled you guys on Instagram. My cat just tried to jump onto my lap and um, I think he's nursing a bit of a hurt ego because he did not make it. Um, Yeah, I was surprised by your guys' response on Instagram. So many people were curious about my experience. I have been polyamorous for four years, I think five, going on five now. And it has absolutely transformed the way that I see the world, the way that I see love, the way that I see myself. And I wanted to get in. I'm almost thinking that I want to do two episodes, have like an introductory episode where I kind of share some of my experiences, the mythology behind it, why I've chosen this, and then give you guys an opportunity to ask questions over on Instagram and then do another one because it is such a complex topic. And I want to give a few disclaimers before we get started. I do not think that polyamory is for everyone. I do not walk around recommending polyamory to everyone. This is not a sales pitch for polyamory. I do think that there are things that you can learn from polyamorous individuals and communities that you can apply to your monogamous situations. I think that there's a lot to learn here. And I think that it's a good fit for a lot of people, but I think that it has a lot to do with where you're at in your own journey with yourself, where your life is at. It's definitely not a one size fits all. And so this is just me sharing my experience with you in the hopes that you can take something from it or be entertained um, by what I've learned or simply know that it's possible. Um, And I think that that is something that I keep returning to is like, wow, it's so nice when you meet someone who shows you that something is possible. They're living in a way that you'd maybe heard about, but you hadn't really heard anyone talking about. Since this podcast is about the journey inward, polyamory is a very relevant topic for me. It was a fundamental shift Um, in owning my own individuality as a person and embarking on my own path. And so I want to tell you the story of how I even started being polyamorous and what led me to that. All right, let me paint the picture for you. It's 2018. I had just moved to Utah. I had just come out of the closet and left the religion that I was in. It was a super volatile and hard time in my life. I lost the community I had been a part of and had moved somewhere where I essentially knew almost no one. And I met this person. They were the very first queer relationship I ever had. And there's something that happens, right, when a queer person experiences queer love. And I'm going to say love um, in a very loose term because that's what it felt like to me. But looking back, that's not the type of love that I believe in um, and want to embody and call love because I think that a lot of times love is really just attachment wearing a pretty flower in its hair. Um, So anyways, I met this person and they were the first queer relationship I'd ever been in. We had the typical lesbian timeline, okay? We met three months later, we were moving in. Like a month and a half in, we were talking about it and three months it actually happened. And so we moved in together and I thought, you know what, this is it. I found my person. Finally, this is happening for me. And we've kind of been fed this narrative, right? That like 
it's a storybook and you meet your person and you fall in love and that's the person that you're going to do everything with and stick it out with through through tough times and i really fell in love with this person and they had a community here in utah and i didn't i had just moved here and so not only did i fall in love with them but i fell in love with like having people and having a community and our lives became more and more intertwined and it was really fun until it stopped being fun um, this person had a lot of jealousy a lot of anger they had a really hard childhood you know I think that when you're a really deep feeling person that practices empathy and loves human beings, I think it can be really easy to excuse people's behavior because you understand why they do it. And that was definitely my experience. I had learned about their childhood, met their family. I could see the dysfunction. And although this was a full grown adult, actually several years older than me, I really babied them in a lot of ways, like let them do things that were really not okay. And it started out small, um, started out with just them saying things that were kind of problematic and them expressing jealousy when I would hang out with my friends. And then it got worse. And, you know, honestly, a lot of this, I don't remember. I remember key components. I remember that they would tell me what to wear. Like I, I would bring home outfits. I'd go shopping. I had such bad um, body dysmorphia. I was in the throes of my eating disorders and I would go and I'd find like one, one piece of clothing that I felt good in. And I would come home and I'd put it on for them and they hated it. And they would, you know, they wouldn't like throw it away. Like technically I still had the choice to wear that. But if you're dating someone, you want them to think that you're cute. You want them to like the way you look. And especially because we were hanging out with their friends so much, they had um, like the need to appear a certain way to the people in their lives. And so they would tell me what to wear. They would like literally dress me. And it's funny looking back now because they dressed me as them, like the clothing that they liked to wear. They were very mask presenting. That's what they wanted to see me in. And I think that they wanted me to cover my body. They were very uncomfortable with any sort of like showing off my skin, this body that I'm in. And so it started with stuff like that, like them telling me what to wear. And then it kind of transitioned into them making comments about what I would say to people. And like, I just started to get quieter and quieter when I was around their friends because I couldn't do anything right. The controlling behavior got worse and worse until it kind of hit a breaking point. And one day they started throwing things and breaking windows. And I really had a check-in moment with myself where I was like, I don't feel safe here. And it was really hard to let go of that relationship, especially because our lives were so intertwined. We were living together and I like knew and loved their family. And also we were so deep in a trauma bond with one another that the attachment was strong and it can be really, really hard to let that go. And we broke up and got back together, I think three times until my friends at the time, they sat me down and they were my roommates and they sat me down and they were like, Christina, every time you go back to this person, you fall into a 
pit of depression. Like you get away from them and things start to get better and then they come back into your life and after like a day or two of excitement, you're back to this like shut down version of yourself. And I remember looking at my friend at the time and I was like, so you think that we should only be friends? And they were like, I think that you should never see them again. And that was the moment where I decided, you know, these people, they can see me better than I can see myself. I'm going to trust them. And I had been curious about polyamory while I was in that relationship, but that was nowhere near on the table. Um, This person that I was with was very possessive. And when I got out of the relationship, I made a promise to myself and I said, I am never going to let myself be controlled like that ever again. And from that point on, every relationship that I entered into was with the premise of polyamory. I want to start by saying that polyamory won't fix anything in your relationship. It will not be the magic wand that you wave over a complicated and tumultuous dynamic and have it move into easeful and blissful connection. Polyamory is, if anything, I would call it an accelerated growth path. Um, You have a lot of opportunities in polyamory to see yourself and to have triggers come up that wouldn't normally arise within monogamous relationships. I would classify polyamory as a complete mindset shift when it comes to relationships. And I want to kind of talk about the mindset before I give you examples of certain dynamics within polyamory and certain feelings that come up and the kind of interpersonal work that goes on within polyamorous dynamics. I want to talk about the the mindset behind it all before we get into that. So if you look around at nearly any love story through the ages, we are fed the idea of monogamy. We're fed that one person is going to be your one and only. They're going to complete you. They are your other half. And that that person takes precedence in your life over any other relationship. We put them at the top of our pyramid and we focus on them. We're often fed a lot of very codependent storylines of sentiments like, I couldn't live without you. My life would stop having meaning without you in it. And we place these people, ordinary people, everyone is human, right? Everyone is flawed. Everyone has hurt that they're working through, inner child wounds that need to be tended to. We place this person on a pedestal and I think a lot of monogamy culture and what we're fed about relationships is that this person is going to be the answer to your problems. This person is going to be the answer to your wounds. This person is going to be the one who's there through everything that sticks it out to the end. And that that is what makes that relationship worthwhile. I mean, you can even see this in like older couples. Like we really revere couples that have managed to stay together for many, many years. And there's something really beautiful about that. There's something really beautiful about two people's lives moving in tandem throughout time. I am not saying that that is not something that I think is beautiful, but I am saying that that is something that I think is very unlikely. Um, Unlikely in the sense that it's unlikely that two people will be a good fit for the course of their lifetime, especially if they are people that are wanting to go on inner journeys with themselves, especially if they are people who 
are growing and evolving and not stuck in their mindsets and their ways. If you are a person that wants to grow and you're with a person that wants to grow, there's a chance that you will grow in different directions. A pretty good chance, I would say. And there's also a chance that you might be a person that wants to grow and you're with someone who would prefer to stay a bit more stagnant or have a much slower rate of growth. And there comes a time where that stops being compatible. As humans, we are wired to need love and connection. It is a biological need as important as water, food, and shelter. And so when someone offers us love, we often will pay a pretty high price for it. We will trade a lot of ourselves over to receive the love. And this is how codependency forms, right? We make agreements with other people of, I will give you love if you give up your freedom. Or I will give you love if you mesh with me and we can create a sense of intimacy through pretending that we are very, very, very similar. And in order to do that, I'm going to need you to give up a bit of your individuality. I'm going to need you to become more like me. I'm going to need you to fit in with my friends. And we trade love for lots of other different things. People trade love for money. People trade love for security. I think that that is a huge part of it. My, my family, when they found out that I was polyamorous, when I told them, you know, it was very confusing to them. And they were like, the exact quote that I heard from someone in my family was, I don't understand this. What are you trying to tell me? That you're going to have people coming in and out of your life forever? I can see how when you come from a mindset of monogamy and family structures within monogamy is the path to security, which in our society, it 100% is. The family unit is foundational to our environmental ecosystem. And because of that, I can see how it would be very stressful to have a child come to you and be like, hey, I'm rejecting the one model of human connection that you have found safety and security in, and I'm going to embark on this very free form, flowy type of way with connecting with people. I can see how that would produce fear, not only in the people that are witnessing you choose polyamory, but in yourself. We are taught to seek security. You know, the I think of the, the TikTok trend where it's like, if we're locked in, there ain't no switching up. I think about that a lot of like, I'm going to lock this person in. This person is my hopes for the future. This person is my security. This person is what makes me feel secure within myself. This person has a big impact on my story about who I am that I tell myself. And so we get into these dynamics where we are asking a lot of each other. We are saying, I will give you love and you will give me love. And in order to make this work, we will both sacrifice a lot and we will both give up parts of ourselves for the collective, for me and you. And it can be terrifying to let this model lay down. It can be terrifying to say, actually, I want to find a way to connect with humans in which I don't have to compromise myself in order to move closer to them. Another way in which we trade certain parts of ourselves and certain freedoms over 
so that we can receive love is the idea of putting your relationship at the top most priority in your life and having all of your other connections have less say in how you spend your time. And a good way, like a good example of this is like if you've ever had a friend and you two are really close and then that person gets in a relationship and suddenly you just don't see them anymore. They stop showing up. They become very engrossed in the connection and because of it, your guys' friendship really suffers. This is very normal and I participated in this behavior as well. Like if my partner needs something, I'm canceling my plans to tend to their needs. And if one of my friends challenges or um, makes my partner insecure, I am going to cater to my partner's needs because I have put them above all of my other connections. We do this even in the way that we talk to our partners and what it's okay to talk about. I know that I have been in dynamics where it's not okay to talk about your exes. It's not okay to talk about people that you've loved in the past. And it's certainly not okay to talk about feelings that you still have about those people. There becomes this like idea that because you're with someone now, you have to be completely separated from any other experience that you've had or any other experience that you could want to have. In a lot of monogamous relationships, it's not okay to even have desires for the future that don't directly correlate to your partner. We've probably all had the friend where you invite them to a girl's night and suddenly it's a girl's night plus the boyfriend type of thing, or you want to spend time with them one-on-one, -on -one, but somehow it always seems that the other person, their partner, ends up becoming involved in the plans. I think that this is really typical in monogamous relationships is that we set rules about what type of experiences our partner is allowed to have outside of us. You know, people that restrict the gender of their partner's friends, like you can only be friends with girls or something like that. And so we set all these rules so that we can feel secure in the connection. And a lot of relationships die under the weight of these expectations. And that is my favorite component of polyamory is the way that we can learn how to love each other with open palms. It's a metaphor that keeps coming up in all of my relationships. When we feel fear in a connection, our tendency is to tighten our grip around that person. There's something really beautiful about loosening the grip of that connection and surrendering to the ebb and flow that comes with being a human. No relationship is going to stay the same throughout time. All relationships need to have space to have change in them. And the amount of space that you give for change is the amount of space that you are creating for both yourself and the people that you're dating to fully experience the human experience and who they are. Because if you say, I am okay with who you are, I love who you are, as long as it includes a love for me, that is not real love. And so we're opening the palm and loving them without the need to grasp onto them. We're saying, I see you as a full human being, a vibrant, alive entity 
that has so many different possible outcomes for yourself, so many different needs and desires. And I love you enough to not limit what you can experience on this planet. I love you enough to choose you in this moment, knowing that I might not be able to choose you in the future. I love you enough to honor who you are now, even though I know nothing about who you will be in the future. It's a surrendering of control. So when we talk about polyamory, there's a lot of different ways that people experience polyamory and choose polyamory. And I think the only rule in my rule book is that it's ethical. And there's a lot of different components to that, but the most glaringly obvious is honesty. Everyone involved knows what's happening. They know that you are dating other people. They know the seriousness of those connections and you have set up communication patterns to support you in communicating the intricate details of the human connection experience to the people that you're dating so that everyone can feel like they know what's going on. A very typical form of polyamory is a partnership that is open. So like an open partnership, which essentially means that you have a core partner and this is often the person that you're planning your life with, the person that you're having children with, the person that you're nesting with. And then you open up that relationship and you have certain rules and guidelines for how you connect with other people, but that relationship is at the top of your priority. I think that this style really works for people. It's not really my place to have any sort of opinion about this style of polyamory. I think it's beautiful. It is not what I practice. I practice solo polyamory. And there's a lot of different definitions for what that means to people, so I will explain what it means to me. Solo polyamory for me means that my relationship with myself is my first and top priority. It is my core relationship. And then I practice relationship anarchy, which means that none of my relationships are placed above the others. And that's not to say that I spend the same amount of time with everyone that I'm dating. That's not to say that I don't have different types of relationships with everyone that I'm dating. Absolutely, I do. I mean, each relationship is just two humans coming together. So, of course, what I create with one person is going to be vastly different from what I create with another person. I am being thrown back to my Mormon days in this moment because I'm thinking about the activity that they would have all of the girls do. They would have us get together, like when we were 12, 12, 13, like young, they would have us get together and write lists of exactly what we wanted our future husband to be, right? And this is monogamy culture. We're like putting a bunch of expectations on this person that we haven't met yet of everything that they need to meet in our lives. And so that is the way that a lot of us approach relationships is I have needs and I'm going to go find someone who can meet all of those needs. Unfortunately, that doesn't exist. There is not one person who will meet all of your needs. That is some storybook type shit. The reality is, is that we are humans that need other humans plural. And so even if you're monogamous, you need friends, you need mentors, you need family in whatever way that is built, whether it's chosen or birth family, but you need other people besides your partner. And I think that we really don't prioritize that as a culture. And so what I mean when I say that I let people fit where they fit is that I am not 
going up to someone and saying, I have a predetermined list of roles. Can you fit these roles? Instead, I am meeting a person and I'm staying non-attached enough to be able to see them for who they really are. Because the fact of the matter is when you have a long list of things that you need your partner to be, it can be really easy to fabricate those qualities because you want it. You want to be loved. You like this person. You're excited about them. And maybe there's a little voice in you that is like, ooh, I'm seeing some red flags or ooh, they aren't, they aren't meeting all my needs. But it can be really easy to become so attached to them that it's hard to even see that because you want so badly for them to be the one, this person that is going to meet all of your needs. And so essentially what I've chosen to do is just completely scrap the idea of the one. And instead I look at the person in front of me and I try to see them as fairly and with as much honesty as I possibly can. And I see this person and I'm like, okay, how could this person fit in my life? What can I give to this person? What can they give to me? How close can I let them be to me? And then I make decisions. I don't try to change the person to be more like what I want them to be. I don't try to change myself to be more like what they would prefer me to be. I, my goal is to pick people where there is no need to do that. We don't, we understand that we will not fit all of the needs of the other person. And so we can see it for what it actually is. And then dating and human connection becomes a lot more fun because you don't have all these expectations of what the person is supposed to be. You can love them for who they actually are and enjoy what they genuinely bring to your life without needing them to bring anything that they don't have the ability to bring. A really good example of this is that throughout my career as a polyamorous person, I have very often chosen people that feel like a best friend plus a little something else. Like they are not this romantic, sexual person in my life a lot of the times. I'll pick a person that has a soul that is similar to mine and we play and we laugh and we have this friendship that is deeply intimate and will play with different aspects of that relationship. Okay, what does physical intimacy look like between us? Okay, what is like time commitment? How much time do we want to be spending? How intermingled do we want our lives to become? And you can really truly build something that is catered to who that person actually is without putting the stress of needing it to be everything for you because you understand that there are so many millions of people in this world and you can have different relationships with different people. And so there was this one time I was dating my best friend and we were living together and I tweeted and I was like, normalize having, I said, normalize living with your partner, but having separate rooms and regularly spending time in your own space. And that tweet, I think, got like 12 million views. People were amazed. People were outraged. People had a lot to say. Someone from the New York Times wanted to interview me literally last month. I tweeted this two years ago. Someone last month found this tweet and wanted to interview me. It's a bit radical, right? That like I can choose 
nesting with someone without choosing to always share a space with them. The comments on this tweet ranged from, oh my God, they there was a lot of comments. A lot of people had a lot of opinions. And one of the most popular ones was, oh, so you're living with your best friend. Or, oh, that's a roommate. Or, oh, that's your sister. People were taking this like intimate and special and sacred relationship and being like, nah, that's family. Like if you're not fucking every night, that person's not your girlfriend. And this is what we're taught to do as a culture. We're taught to invalidate certain types of relationships if they don't fit the monogamous lens that we've been fed. A really good way to look at this is looking at the person that you love and saying, you are not my world. You are a planet in my solar system. And I have tons of planets, my friends, my work, my other relationships, my beliefs, my time with myself. These are all things that I am orbiting. And it takes a lot of pressure off of the relationship and it frees you to really be yourself in it. As I'm recording this, I'm realizing that this is more than one or two episodes. I am going to make a part two that is just my experience, and then there's going to be a part three that answers your guys' questions. So please feel free to DM me on Instagram and ask any sort of question. Really, nothing is off limits. I will let you know if I can answer it or not, but there is so much to this and so much to this way of living and this way of loving that I would love to share with you in the hopes that it can help you on your journey home to yourself and home to the people that feel truly like home. And this can be romantic love, friendship, family. Ask yourself that question and really sit with it. And we'll dive back in next week. I am rooting for us. I love you guys. I'll talk.